We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep... I'd pick it up. Yeah, that's an easy call. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them, Kyle? I actually did the opposite of that. I'll tell I'll tell you I'll tell you later. All right. Well, well this is why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Do you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, and get paid with my bookie. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. All right, everybody, welcome back to a regular season edition of Candlestick Chronicles, uh, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me, it's Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire uh, of 95.7 The Game. Kyle, what's happening, buddy? Oh, not a lot, man. I'm just hanging out with my cats. And I'm excited. You said that it's a regular season edition of Candlestick Chronicles. Might I add the first ever regular season edition of Candlestick Chronicles? 
Yeah, we've been potting, I, I want to say, since January. And we've talked a lot about a lot of different things, a lot of speculative things. I, I think one of the biggest topics we had when we first began this pod was Antonio Brown and uh, and what a turn that story has taken yeah, with, uh, with the Oakland Raiders. And selfishly, I'm extremely happy that I don't have to write in about Antonio Brown every day because that is a complete shit show. I texted Scott Bear from NBC Sports today and I said, Name drop. I said, hey, I don't have a media request for you. I just wanted to let you know good luck and we're all counting on you. <laughs> yeah, I have heard that uh, there's some beat writers who cover the Raiders who would prefer to stop covering the Raiders because they're sick of writing it about Antonio Brown at the moment, <laughs> uh, which isn't entirely surprising, but it's week one. The 49ers are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a matter of days. We're recording this late Thursday night. The Niners are going to hop on a plane tomorrow. Uh, they're going to get to Tampa obviously two days early because it's multiple time zones away They're They've been acclimating to the heat. They've been, uh, they're going to have to beat the heat, which Kyle Madsen is an expert at. Um, it's going to be humid. I'm surprised, they, I'm surprised they didn't ask me for well, tips. Well, they still might. There's time. They still have a whole other day of practice before they get on that plane, so they might hit you up. Uh, but no, the Niners have, have erected a tent right next to their practice field, and they've thrown some exercise equipment in there, and some guys have gone in there to uh, – they've, they've heated it up. It's like 110 degrees in there with 80% humidity or something like that. Uh, so guys can sort of get used to the idea of, of playing in extreme humidity. Um, so that's going to happen. We'll, we'll have to see how much of a factor that the heat is really going to play. It's going to be a four o'clock start locally in Tampa, which means it's going to be, I, I actually think a one twenty-five start out here Pacific time. So that's probably to the 49ers advantage of the fact that they have a time on their normal body clock instead of a, a 10 a.m. time, which is more typical in the East Coast. Uh, so they do have that going for him. But a little bit of news first. Nick Bosa is expected to play. Uh, he came out and said he was optimistic about that on Monday. He's had a couple practices since then. And it sounds like all systems are go. John Lynch went on the radio and said it's definitely pointing in that direction. So the 49ers are going to have Nick Bosa and D Ford available. Uh, the other bit of news, Jimmy Ward, surprise, surprise, has broken another bone. Uh, the sixth time that we know of that he's fractured a bone since his final college season in 2013 before the Niners used a first round pick on him. Uh, he fractured his finger in practice on Wednesday. He wasn't on the initial practice report because that got turned in as soon as, as, soon as practice ended. Uh, he went to the training staff afterwards and and got tested for the injury. Further tests revealed that it was a fracture. The team initially said it was a fractured finger. The team announced today that after the training staff got a better look at it that it's a hand injury so it could be one of those things where it's a fracture uh it's a you know closer to the palm maybe i i'm i don't know i we have not seen or talked to Jordan. you are a doctor i'm not a doctor i wish i was because i would just be rolling in cash right now it'd be so cool <laughs> <laughs> jimmy ward is is was expected to be the starting free safety and he could have even played in the slot uh, that's what he did in the third preseason game. But the 49ers were without Kwan Williams, who has returned to practice this week. Their their slot corner the, from the past two seasons. So it looks like Williams at least is going to play in the slot with Ward out. If he does not play, the 49ers are going to try to figure out over these next couple days if Ward can wear a splint or something on that finger. We don't know which finger it is. 
like I said, because we haven't seen him yet. Um, so we don't know about his availability. I'm guessing that he's not going to play on Sunday, and it's going to be Tarverius Moore, the second-year pro who looked pretty good in training camp in the offseason program, replacing Ward at free safety. Um, Kyle, how do, how do you think this injury is going to impact the 49ers on Sunday? I don't think it's really going to impact them at all. I think I, I had it in my mind anyways that Tervarius Moore was going to start, and that sounds like it's all but assured now. And Robert Sala even said it didn't really change how they were planning on on using their their secondary. K1 Williams coming back is huge because now DJ Reed, who's a little more inexperienced, doesn't have to play in that spot. But I, I, I just, I think they had contingency plans ready in the event that Jimmy Ward was injured and unable to start or unable to play because that's really been the case for him through his first five years. And you can hope that it goes differently for him in year six, but I don't think you can really bank on it. And I think the 49ers were smart enough to not necessarily uh, bank on his health. Yeah, I know we talked about Jimmy Ward a lot in uh, a pod that we recorded around the, the Chiefs preseason game. Ward came in and played pretty well. The Niners coaches love him. They will always love him. Just his preparation, his work ethic, the way he plays when he actually does play. Uh, they don't hold it against him that he gets hurt like fans might. Uh, but it's also the reason that they only signed him to a one-year prove-it contract worth about four and a half million they think he's a Pro Bowl caliber player, and and they're not alone in that. Ward has survived three coaching changes since getting drafted, um, and he's gotten rave reviews from all of those staffs that he's that he's played for. He's just, frankly, he's brittle. Like he breaks lots of bones. It's it's, I I've never seen a player <laughs> deal with six fractures in in not even six years. Um, so. That, that'll be something worth monitoring because we, if we know anything about Bruce Arian's offenses, they stress the deep portion of the field and, and Ward would have been in a lot of those plays on Sunday. So we'll have to see how Tarvarius Moore does playing the playing deep safety because, you know, with Mike Evans and Jameis Winston running Bruce Arian's scheme specifically, that they're going to push the ball deep. So we're going to preview the, the Niners' trip to Tampa, and it's a little bit of a weird spot because... I do think the 49ers are better on paper and and with Jameis Winston running Bruce Arians offense, I think there's a lot of potential upside there. But if we do know anything about Jameis Winston, it's that he likes to turn the ball over and running Bruce Arians offense with all those deep, deep drops, those long developing plays, pushing the ball deep downfield to Mike Evans. Uh, I think the 49ers are going to have their opportunities to, to get some takeaways. And, and that's been a key talking point throughout the entire offseason, really after, you know, setting an NFL record with just seven takeaways last year and just two interceptions. Um, but before we, before we get to that and, and talk about Nick Bosa and D Ford and how they can impact the game, we have to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo because this is his debut. Uh, I think no matter what happens, there's going to be a massive overreaction to how he plays. If he plays great, then everybody's going to act like it's 2017 all over again, and the 49ers are going to go to the playoffs. If he plays bad, then people are going to wonder when Nick Mullins is coming in. Uh, I just want to warn everybody beforehand, like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have peaks and valleys this year. He's going to have games where he looks really good. Uh, He's probably going to make some horrendous throws that get intercepted because he doesn't you know, throw the ball away. He probably takes too many chances, or at least he did in, in practice. 
and we saw it at times in the preseason. I'm not overly concerned about Garoppolo. I think it's going to take some time, probably until the 49ers bye week before he finds a rhythm. Uh, but the 49ers do have a tough schedule, and, and I'm very curious to see Garoppolo play in a regular season game, particularly because this is the third year the, the entire team is, is running Kyle Shanahan's offense, and typically on a normal trajectory, this is when things would really start to take off, right? You have an offensive line that's that's intact. You have a running game that's strong. I think the 49ers are going to be able to run for five, six yards outside zone, basically whenever they want to. Um, very curious to see how the receivers uh, develop quickly or not early this season. Kyle, what are you looking for in this game, specifically from Garoppolo on Sunday? What I think we need to see from Garoppolo on Sunday and maybe even through the first three or four games is just limiting those bad throws, limiting those interceptions because of what you just said. The 49ers are going to be able to run the football. They did it extremely effectively last year with kind of a patchwork backfield. But Matt Breida is fully healthy. He's a really good player. Tevin Coleman can play in Kyle Shanahan's system. We've literally seen that before. They can get behind their running game. And Garoppolo just needs to convert on third down, um, convert in the red zone, um, make the right read on, on play action. And if he just does those little things, he doesn't need to throw 40 times and, and throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. Like that just doesn't, that doesn't need to happen. They can, they can drop him back between 25 and 30 times. If he throws for 200 yards, Great if he throws a couple of touchdowns, great, but he just needs to be efficient and not turn the ball over. And if they do that and get behind their running game, I think they're going to be successful not only against Tampa Bay, but through their first few weeks until Garoppolo is fully healthy again, is fully comfortable and uh, and able to, you know, drop back and air it out 40 or 45 times if he has to. Yeah, and what's what's interesting about this Tampa Bay team is they're really remaking this defense. So they're they're switching to Todd Bowles, who's the former head coach of the New York Jets, who was Bruce Arians' coordinator with the Arizona Cardinals those years when the Cardinals were a, a perennial division contender and even went to the NFC title game in 2015. Um, what Todd Bowles is known for are those well-timed sort of delayed blitzes, where you know you send a you send a linebacker in to take up the running back in pass protection and then you time it so you send a second linebacker a little bit after that and he's unblocked because everybody else is already occupying all the blockers and that's a way to create pressure on longer developing plays but what the 49ers do a good job of is mixing up they vary the you know Jimmy Garoppolo is going to go under center and he's going to take um, you know, they're going to be long developing play action plays that look like runs that are going to negate some of those blitzes. They're going to be straight dropbacks. They're going to be short dropbacks. So I think the 49ers are going to be well equipped. And also the Buccaneers really have a, a new look group. They have a, a lot of new players on the defensive front. So you have Indomitian Sue, who's in his first year there, obviously last year after playing with the Rams. Um, you have Carl Nassib, who was a waiver claim, who's who's one of their primary pass rushers. You have inside linebacker Devin White, who was a first round pick out of LSU, somebody who could be really good, but it's going to be his first game. Uh, Dayon Buchanan, a safety inside linebacker hybrid, who's who's clearly a favorite of Bulls, and and 
a free agent addition in Shaquille Barrett. I, I think, you know, I, I don't think this is a terribly talented defense. Uh, and given that it's their first game running this scheme, I, I do think w- the 49ers could take advantage of maybe some communication issues. Um, just given all the things that they, that the, all the ways they stress a defense, whether it's through play action, whether it's through complicated alignments before the snap, whether it's through, um, you know, route combinations, things like that. I, I think the 49ers can go into this game with a pretty good plan with the foundation of their continuity and, and sort of get what they want from, from Tampa Bay's defense. And I'm curious to see how well Tampa Bay runs that defense because they're still very early on in their rebuilding process. Yeah, and you look at last year's game against Tampa Bay where they did not have a very good defense. They were one of the worst in the league and and might have been the worst if it wasn't for for San Francisco. Nick Mullins completed 18 of 32 passes in that game for 221 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions, and he got sacked four times. So there's bounce-back potential here for the 49ers um, against against Tampa Bay, but like you said, there's so many new elements on this defense it's it's really really tough to project i've read a couple things that have that have tampa bay being a surprise winner in the nfc south which seems crazy but uh that's how much of an effect people think bruce arians and and todd bowles are going to have and i think we'll see pretty much right away because like you said the pieces are there for the 49ers to really have their way offensively but um the Bucks look so different on that side of the ball that it's really tough to to accurately project that. Yeah, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get into our game prediction after we go through this a little bit. But uh so let's let's move to the to the defensive side for for San Francisco and and just talk about the importance of having Nick Bosa D Ford healthy uh for the first time they d- obviously didn't play in the preseason. Bosa was, was dealing with an ankle injury. Ford was getting treatment on it for knee tendonitis and the 49ers and Ford both said the entire time that, you know, he could have played through the pain if it were the regular season, but they were, be, they were being cautious and, and just wanted to make sure he was healthy for week one and, and remain healthy for the entire 16 game slate. But you look at this Tampa Bay offensive line, and it is not particularly good. You have Donovan Smith at left tackle, Ali Marpet, uh, left guard, Ryan Jensen, who was a pricey free agent addition from the Ravens, um, Alex Kappa, Humboldt State fame, uh, a third-round pick in, in 2018, and DeMar Dotson, a longtime right tackle. It's just not a particularly good group. And what, the, what Tampa Bay should feel a little bit discouraged about was the fact that the Browns came in and the Browns have a very good defense, probably a little bit more talented than the 49ers right now. Um, But I don't think it's too terribly far off with Bosa and Ford healthy. The Browns sacked Jameis Winston five times in that third preseason game. And so you think about DeForest Buckner up the middle against, you know, Marpet or Kappa, uh, Solomon Thomas, what he can do against guards and then having, um, Eric Armstead sort of as a rotational guy and Bosa and Ford back in the mix now. And you think about all those five and seven step drops that Jameis Winston is going to take. I think the 49ers could have a potentially a very big game from that defensive front, given that they have fresh legs, uh, given how talented they are. Um, and I'll say it again, like Nick Bosa looked really, really good 
when he was healthy and practicing early in training camp. And that's not to say that Bosa is going to be really good on Sunday uh, because I've seen Eric Armstead be the best player on the field early in training camp. And I've learned the lesson that being really good early in training camp doesn't always equate to the regular season. But I think Bosa is a different breed. Um, he's been working really diligently to get back and, and get healthy. And, and everybody has raved about sort of where he's at mentally and, and in preparation while getting his conditioning right with running and weightlifting and all of those things that he's been doing despite not being able to practice. Uh, there's a there's a potential there for the 49ers to have a big game against that Tampa Bay offensive line. And, and obviously that would be huge in, in their ability to get takeaways and maybe steal the, this game in the, in the week one opener. Yeah, and I think we're going to learn a lot about the 49ers and really – their long-term projection just in this game. And I know it's really hard to to do that with week one in the NFL. Like it's the first game and the Niners have a, new players. And, you know, we we see teams all the time get blown out in week one and then, and then wind up in the playoffs. But for all the things you mentioned, Tampa Bay is not a particularly talented team. And the 49ers picked up a couple of players on the outside in, in D Ford and Nick Bosa that, that they think are going to come in and contribute right away and be impact players right away. That's why they spent the draft capital and the and the financial capital to get those two guys. And if they come out against Tampa Bay and Jameis Winston has all day to throw and carves up their secondary, I think it says a lot about the trajectory of this team long term. And maybe maybe I wind up being wrong and and all this is moot, but it really feels that way because it feels like a game that those two should really go dominate. And if they don't, then I think the 49ers might have a really significant problem on their hands because it basically means their entire team building philosophy on the defensive side didn't work. Sure, I, I get that, but I don't think one game, particularly given the fact that these guys didn't participate in the preseason and really didn't practice throughout August is going to be a referendum on the broader picture. And, in, in, you know, like, like you're saying, I do think you know, there's probably going to be some rust and, and I'm, you know, I, it, would it surprise me if those guys came out and, and combined for three sacks and the Niners had six total or something like that? No. Uh, am I expecting it? I'm not really sure just because we haven't seen them play. And I think that's what's so fascinating about this. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. Like it's it for them to win the game. Those guys have to win up front and, and we're going to say that throughout the entire season. So I do think it is a good point, but before we go and, and talk about Quan Alexander's return, I think we should probably take a quick break. Kyle, you, you use Harry's razors, don't you? Boy, do I. Well, if you visit their website, you can check out all the different shave sets and face care products that they have, and you can join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your special offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. Why try Harry's? Harry's founders were two regular guys tired of getting ripped off and paying for overpriced razors. Harry's makes quality durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. This summer, refresh your wallet and your face with a Harry's trial set. It comes with weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave, rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great, 
and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. Listeners of our show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to help support the show. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get your orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Candlestick Chronicles listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and con- you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter the promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. Speaking of uh, making ship happen, Quan Alexander is going back to Tampa Bay, uh, where he began his career and and really sort of made a name for himself as, you know, one of the league's more athletic uh, better coverage linebackers, which led to the 49ers giving him that $54 million contract in March. So not only is Alexander playing his first game since tearing his ACL in October, his first game comes against his former team in his former home stadium. Uh, I have not talked to Quan Alexander yet. I can only imagine that he's uh, feeling legendary going into the week because that's his favorite word. And uh, and it's going to be a really big game for him. And what I'm going to look for, for regarding Alexander is just, you know, he's clearly the new spark plug energy force, whatever you want to call it, for San Francisco's defense. And, and that's the type of personality and, and character that they've sort of lacked in, in recent seasons. They haven't had that ball of fire in, in the middle of the defense or sort of like an emotional leader on that side. And I think that's what Alexander brings and, and watching him practice and, and seeing the passion that he plays with. It's, it seems like that's sort of the reason why the 49ers paid him the way they did. Uh, I know it was a controversial contract and, and it might prove to be more money than it's worth, but Alexander is going to be a really important player for the 49ers this year. And we've already seen him rub off positively. I think on Fred Warner, who could have a big second season, uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the Niners linebackers fly around on Sunday against Tampa Bay, but I do want to know how Alexander is, is he going to be able to balance all the excitement and energy he's going to have to face his former team with, you know, making the right plays, not trying to do too much, not overrunning things, uh, making plays while they're there instead of trying to go out and, and make plays when, which, you know, could lead to mistakes. Yeah. Uh, he's going to have a shipload of energy. Uh, (laughs) um, I think that when one of the most telling things about Quan Alexander as a player was when the 49ers signed him, I didn't know a lot about him. So I went and started reading about him and all the articles that started coming out 
his former teammates were pretty bummed about losing him. And it wasn't the typical like, yeah, he's a good player. You wish him well. It was the, it was the, he was the heartbeat of this defense. He was, uh, he provided so much in the locker room and on the field and, and just the, the superlatives. Is that the right word I'm looking for? The superlatives that got tossed around for him were not just the, like I said, the general run of the mill uh, player speak. The Buccaneers loved this guy. And I think, like you said, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have focused so much on culture and Quan Alexander is the type of player that, ha- that, that helps in that respect, but he's also going to help on the field. You need linebackers today who are athletic, who can cover tight ends, who can cover running backs. And now if, if Dre Greenlaw pans out, the 49ers have three of them with Alexander Warner and, and Greenlaw. And I think that's just going to add an element of speed and tenacity and I, I I hate this because it's unquantifiable, but it exists a swagger to the defense that I just don't think they had last year. Yeah, and really, I think the best example that we've seen so far is the first practice the Niners had with the Denver Broncos at their facility last month. Um, I had never been to a, a Niners joint practice away from Santa Clara. I'd, I'd seen them practice against the Broncos and Texans. Uh, at the team's headquarters, you know, next to Levi Stadium, but never on the road. And the Niners in their first practice just really took it to Denver. And I know we talked about it in the podcast last month, but I think it's worth revisiting just for this point in that Alexander was really the emotional spark plug. Like he was the guy getting everybody amped at nine in the morning for practice. And the Niners just basically went out and kicked their ass for the first, you know, the Niners defense went out and kicked the Denver's ass because they were simply just like more energetic. Um, so they wanted it more. You might yeah, say, yeah, they, uh, there was, there was some fight in those dogs. Um, so I, I think, uh, I, I think that that's a tangible thing that the 49ers have not had on defense. They, you know, they've while John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have wanted to create a culture. There's also part of it. Like you, you want to find guys who, you know, stay out of trouble and all that stuff. And and a lot of times you get choir boys and, and things like that. And the Niners tried to get somebody who was, you know, a, a dog for lack of a better term, you know, and Reuben Foster, right? Like re, re, people talk about Reuben Foster emotionally and what he brings energy wise to a defense in the same way that they talk about Quan Alexander but Alexander obviously doesn't have nearly the same issues off the field. And Alexander might even be a better player at this point. And obviously we know Ruben Foster tours ACL in the spring with Washington. And that's a different thing, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see how Alexander does on Sunday. And uh, I think, you know, he, he's, if he's able to force some takeaways, you know, he, he is one of the better linebackers in the league and, you know, forcing fumbles, getting interceptions, pass breakups, those type of things. What those are the, those are what you need from a modern linebacker, like you said. Uh, so that's going to be important for Sunday. Uh, two other things, or I guess, yeah, this is, this, this counts as two, uh, who plays in the slot, both offensively and defensively. Um, let's start with the offensive side since we've been talking about the defense. I real quick, not to cut you off, but I do want to agree that offense and defense are two different things. Okay, good. Glad we established that. So, uh, offensively, 
the Niners don't have Trent Taylor. Uh, he's going to resume field work next week when the 49ers are practicing in Ohio. I don't necessarily think that that means he's going to play week two. It might be week three or even after the bye week, week four. So for the, the uh, Browns Monday night game week five, that might be when Trent Taylor comes back, which is also an underrated development when talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. But um, it, it's worth bringing up because we have no idea who's going to play in the slot or who's who's going to be that third receiver on the field and, and what it's going to look like. And you have a bunch of different players, I think, capable of playing in the slot, whether it's Dante Pettis or Debo Samuel or Marquise Goodwin or even Kendrick Bourne. Um, and obviously Richie James Jr. is probably the most natural slot receiver the team has, but I don't know that Kyle Shanahan is going to go to Richie James because I think he might figure out better matchups for some of the other guys. But, you know, is Marquise Goodwin going to be running a lot of deep patterns from the slot? I think that's a possibility. Um, you know, is Dante Pettis going to going to play some of the F after, you know, struggling with physicality and 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 making catches over the middle I, I, in traffic? I just, in, in preseason and training camp, I just don't really think that Pettis is going to be the guy, but we know he can do it. Um, I think Debo Samuel, that might be the way he sort of ingratiates himself into this offense is working in the slot. But we have no idea because the Niners won't tell us. Uh, and, and it's some gamesmanship by them. But uh, it, it's going to be interesting. And, and I'm curious to think how you think that's that's going to or I'm curious to hear how you think that's going to shake out. It's it feels like mission accomplished for Kyle Shanahan. He wanted more versatility from his receiving core. And the fact that we can look at four or five different players and not know exactly where they're going to line up, but just knowing that they're going to line up at some point and do something kind of is, is, is an indication that they improved some of the versatility in their receiving core. Um, I think Debo Samuel might get a lot of touches, whether it's from the slot or outside it, it just, and maybe I'm overreacting to preseason, but I think they're going to want to get him the ball early and just just kind of let him go to work, almost like on extended handoff type of stuff. And I think they do a lot of that um, out of the slot. I think we're going to see Pettis get a ton of snaps. I, I think that that a lot of the preseason stuff was kind of overblown in that regard. Um, and and I do think we see kind of a decreased role for Marquise Goodwin. I think they want to keep him healthy because of the element of speed that he does have because it is so rare. Um, whether that comes in the slot, I don't know. Um, but I'm, I'm very interested to see how those snaps wind up shaking out, um, overall. And then seeing just how much a guy like Kendrick Bourne, who snuck into the back of the roster, seeing how much he's going to play because he's going to need to with, with Taylor and Hurd out. Yeah. And what Kyle Shanahan said basically is all the receivers are going to play, uh, because you have Taylor and Hurd, Jalen Hurd out. Uh, with injuries, you're going to have five active receivers and they're going to rotate in because Kyle Shanahan doesn't feel like he has two guys that two or three guys that he's going to ride for, you know, 70, 80 percent of the snaps. I, I think there's going to be a pretty even distribution. So I'm curious to see how that shakes out. One thing on Debo Samuel real quick before we move on. Um, I think he's probably the 49ers most talented receiver right now, physically I, I, and just you know, the, with the toughness that he plays with and the fearlessness that he has over the middle of the field and, and how good he is after the catch. What I'm very curious to see, and we didn't really get a good feel for this in training camp or the preseason, 
just because his reps were limited and, and he didn't get a ton of work with Jimmy Garoppolo. But where is he at mentally with learning the offense and how many different positions can he play? Because physically, all the talent's there. We know that. But he's going to have a hard time being productive if he misses assignments or if he doesn't run his routes correctly uh, or if he's not precise and his timing's off, whatever it is. Um, his, his product, his productivity as a rookie is going to depend on what's going on between the years, obviously. And we just really don't know where he's at in that stage of, of his development entering his rookie season. So it could be that he's got all that stuff down pat and he's the 49ers best receiver from the jump, or it could be that he's not going to play a whole lot because Kyle Shanahan doesn't trust him to know all of his responsibilities and things like that. So and that's and that's part of why that's part of why I think we see a lot of you know jet sweeps um, yeah, to get him going, just little little bubble screens, easy easy things that are harder for him to mess up. Yeah. So defensively, we talked about it earlier in the slot. It's probably going to be Kwan Williams. Um, it could be DJ Reed. It could be Emmanuel Mosley. It's not going to be probably not going to be Jimmy Ward. So that that'll be interesting to see because Kwan Williams is another guy who didn't play in the preseason after having arthroscopic knee surgery. So we really don't know what he looks like. Um, Robert Sala said Jason Verrett is playing only outside. Uh, Jason Verrett returned to practice this week dealing with his ankle injury. Not sure if he's going to be active or what role he would have if he were active on Sunday. But I think the 49ers are probably hoping that after that buy in three weeks uh, or four weeks, I guess um, maybe he ends up overtaking a Kel Witherspoon for the starting job, but it might be that Verrett has to be active because there are injuries elsewhere. We'll have to see. That's interesting, but uh, it wouldn't be real. I mean, it might be crazy, but it wouldn't be all that shocking to see Verrett line up in the slot uh, at some point this season. I'm, I'm not saying it would happen Sunday, but maybe if there are injuries uh, and the 49ers want to get their best 11 guys on the field, that is something. That could happen. All right, let's do a game prediction, and then we'll we'll quickly follow up the game prediction with a season prediction. Um, fans aren't going to like this, but I'm taking the Buccaneers, and I know I think the 49ers are more talented and obviously talked about continuity and, and all of those things. Uh, winning on the road against a first-year head coach in his first game is a tough spot because you're dealing with Bruce Arians is not a first year head coach. He is with the Buccaneers. Okay. Uh, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, carry on. Uh, and, and why I say that, why I say it's a tough spot for a road team is because it's unscouted with that personnel. And I watched Jim Tom Sula and Chip Kelly both look like world beaters in their first games in their home openers with the 49ers in 2015 and 2016, respectively. And obviously they didn't end up being coaches, good coaches, and those teams didn't end up being any good. But they did look really good in that first game because there was no tape on them. Teams didn't really know how to prepare correctly in those in the Rams and Vikings. So it's just a tough spot flying across the country, playing in humidity. Um, I think I do think the 49ers are more talented, but it's just going to be a tough spot. And I don't know how they're going to stop Mike Evans um, because I imagine they're just going to line him up on the left side of the offense. So he's just going up against a Witherspoon the entire game. And I'm not sure how Witherspoon is going to match up with him 
That's definitely a matchup that favors Tampa. So I think it's going to be close, but I'm going to go with Tampa just because week one is weird and wonky, like we learned in those week ones with Jim Tom Sula and Chip Kelly. So I'm taking Tampa, but I do think the 49ers are better. So I don't want everyone to get mad at me. And I think the thing is, is that the 49ers have to win one of these two first road games. Uh, and I think the easier one is going to be week two in Cincinnati. Yeah, I think so too. Um, the other thing with Tampa Bay's offense is Chris Godwin is supposed to be really good. A lot of people in Tampa Bay are really talking him up. And then OJ Howard, their tight end is immensely talented. So they're going to be a handful on offense for sure. I think the Niners though, are able to, to do enough offensively to, to put some points on the board and, I think they'll force Jameis Winston into enough bad throws, which he is extremely susceptible to doing. And I think that if D Ford and Nick Bosa can get home a couple of times, force him to make a couple of bad throws, the 49ers get some turnovers, something they weren't able to do last year. I think they're able to hold off Tampa Bay for, for all the things you said. I think Tampa Bay is going to put some points up as well, but I think the Niners win a close one, like 27, 24. Okay, I like it. So real quick, uh, season prediction. I have the the world's most lukewarm uh, take on on the 49ers 2019 season prediction, but I, I want to hear yours first. I think <laughs> my my favorite prediction thing is I think they win between six and nine games. Like, oh, okay, cool. So they'll either they'll either pick <laughs> that's a, that's they'll either nice, pick in the top ten nice or make prediction. the playoffs. Thanks, that's awesome. <laughs> Um, no, I think I'm, I'm weirdly optimistic about the 49ers this year. Maybe it's, it's just residual from last year. And my brain is connecting the logic of, oh, they were supposed to be a dark horse playoff team last year. They're better this year. Therefore they should be a playoff team this year. And maybe that's what it is. But I, I think the, I think the Niners, uh, go nine and seven. And I think they are fighting for a playoff spot into December. That, that stretch, that stretch at the end of the year is just is just brutal. The one through Baltimore, and the Saints, and they have the Packers at home before that trip. Like that's a rough stretch of games. And they don't have any easy home games, with maybe the exception of Arizona. Like all their seven other home games are against teams that we expect to be five hundred or better in the playoff mix. Yeah. Um, and we watch green Bay tonight play the bears. And I think that defense might end up being really good. And if that defense is really good, then, uh, the Packers could end up being uh, one of the better teams in the NFC. But so I'm going to go eight and eight. And that is the, like the most lukewarm 49ers take, but I really just think it all comes down to health. And if they get 16 games from Nick Bosa, D Ford and Jimmy Garoppolo, then I do think they have a 10 or 11 win ceiling because I don't think there's that much difference between an eight and eight team and a 10 win team and an 11 win team in the NFL. I think it's just, it just comes down to a handful of plays and whether or not you can execute in those moments. And I think the 49ers could take those steps this year because they do have a foundation in place. They do have good players at important positions. They just haven't been healthy last year. And you just look at like all the numbers, the fact that, you know, the 49ers had an offense in the middle of the pack last year, despite having Garoppolo for just three games. Um, the defense, while it was bad, a lot of it had to do with the takeaways. 
and the fact that 49ers offense was third in the league in turnovers, um, you know, on a, on a per play basis, the Niners defense was hovering around top 10. And so you add Nick Bosa and D Ford to that mix to, to the efficiency that's already there just in terms of yards per play and overall yardage. Uh, the Niners defense could make a sizable leap if they can get after the quarterback a little bit more, obviously, and if they can force more takeaways. So I think there's a 10 or 11 win ceiling on this team, but that's that's if Garoppolo plays 16, Bosa and Ford play 16. Um, they don't get killed by injuries like they have the, these last two years. And Garoppolo looks fine coming off the knee injury. And I don't know that Garoppolo is going to look fine coming off the knee injury. And I think it might take a month or two before he gets his rhythm. And it might be too late by then for them to make a playoff push, just being realistic. But it also wouldn't surprise me if Garoppolo gets a couple games under his belt and then looks like the player he did in 2017 with improved weapons around him with a better mastery of Kyle Shanahan's offense. So you know, saying they could go, saying I'm expecting 500 and they could have a 10 or 11 win ceiling is very lukewarm. Um, but I think overall it's optimistic. I know a lot of people who who do not think the Niners are going to be particularly good, but uh, it is a young team. I think we people lose perspective on on just the overall youth of the roster. But uh, that's where I'm at. Eight and eight, 2019. There is a real possibility, and this is what we talked about on a pod a while ago. And I think you tweeted about this as well. Like, I will believe the 49ers are in what Bill King calls the Tyson zone or Bill King. Bill Simmons calls the Tyson zone where I'll just believe anything you say about them. <laughs> like Mike Tyson got so crazy that you just believe any story about him. That's how I feel about the 49ers. Like if you told me they were going to finish two and 14, I'd be like, sure. If you told me they finished 14 and two, it would be like, all right, yeah, I'm with it. But when you look at their first four games, they're at Tampa, at Cincinnati, home Steelers, home Browns on Monday night coming off the bye. Like there's a real world possibility where they're 4-0 after their first four games. And it's not... And they could and, also be 1-3. and three. And they could also be 1-3 and three or 0-4. Oh like, I, I mean, and, and I think that just really illustrates where this team is at and how impossible it is to project them with any level of accuracy this year. Can we, uh, can we momentarily or like quickly talk about Bill King talking about the Tyson zone and what that would be like? (laughs) (laughs) It would be the best iteration of the Titan zone. My take is that every Bill Simmons thing would be better as a Bill King thing. Holy Toledo. That's a good take. All right. With that, we're going to wrap this thing up. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, our next pod will be our first regular season review pod. So we'll we'll come out with another one early next week. I will be in Youngstown, Ohio, uh, because that's where the 49ers are going to practice next week. They're not coming back to the Bay Area between their games against Tampa Bay and Cincinnati. So we will talk about Sunday's game uh, and preview the the week of practice and and look forward to cincinnati i'm excited to hear about the youngstown nightlife yeah i've heard it's wild i've heard it's it's like the midwest's uh like own little arena it's not old town for nothing that's a complete joke it's not not old town for nothing you had a good fun it's youngstown for the young people hang out the youths all right yeah we should uh we should go 
I'm really sorry to everybody who listened. Please stay subscribed. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week.